Fearless. Chase. Bold. Following. Courageous. Search. I'm Aaron. And I'm Marshall. And this is Undaunted Pursuit. Everybody, welcome back to Undaunted Pursuit Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Marshall is not able to make it this week, so we are uh, joined by a special friend of mine, and uh, I just needed to get him out of the house. So, <laughs> uh, Christian Hall, thanks for joining us, buddy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, happy to meet with you all and talk about the goodness of God's Word. Yeah, yeah. So how's your week? I had to get you out of the house, so... I always need to get out of the house, brother. It's uh, <laughs> like you. I have many children, and uh, it's a noisy place to be, so it's always good to find a quiet place and talk about God's Word together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was a busy day for me. We're doing this kind of late. It's Friday. St. Patty's mm-hmm. Day. Oh, yes, yes. Thanks for reminding me. Happy St. Patty's Day. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let the corned beef and hash roll. Your wife's got it cooking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Try to grab a little bit on the way out. Yeah. Little right. sample. What do you like? Do you have you? Are you used to eating it, or I think just about every year corned beef at least. Not so much the hash, but not so we, much the cabbage, but I like the corned beef. We, yeah, well, heck, we tend to uh, talk about food a lot on the <laughs> podcast. So, um, so yeah, no, she she is really my wife is a phenomenal cook. Amen. So, now tell me, do you like to put vinegar on your corned beef? I think I have cabbage? tried that. Once or twice. Have you? Just like with fit, like uh, fish sticks. Some people like to or dip it into the vinegar as well. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I don't know. I, I kind of like to just taste the meat. I don't like to disguise it too much. I think corned beef tastes pretty good. Uh, I love vinegar on there. Though. Some <laughs> apple cider vinegar. And <laughs> you know it. Yeah, that sounds good too. Well, you're getting ready to take a trip. We are indeed. Yeah. Heading to California for a while. Uh, should be a fun trip. Kind of bittersweet, but... Yeah. Yeah, eh, we don't have to go about go into it on here, but you like it? You like you ready for some warmer weather? I mean, we um, it warmed I, up a little bit around here, but yeah, I actually drove around with my uh, t-shirt on today and my window down, so that was kind of nice just to feel the sunshine again. But only to have it snow next week. I know it's kind of those uh, pseudo springs that we go through, the kind of ups and downs of the end of <sighs> winter, transitioning into spring. Well, you know, and me being an outdoorsman. I was driving today, and I had to go down. I went down to Whiteburg, which was just down the hill, you know, south. And then um, there was fishermen down there. But the South Fork right now, which is our – I've talked about it on here before, um, which is our favorite river. Right. It's its loaded. Is it just full? Just loaded with stinking uh, steelhead fishermen. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And they're pulling – they're catching them too. Maybe we should head down there soon. I know. Right. I'd like a couple if you more. You weren't leaving Sunday. Well, maybe next week. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Too see, late. I, I don't know how to fish for steelhead. So throw some bait out there and see what happens. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, so it's a mixed bag between uh, guys fishing with like a you know regular fishing pole or guys fishing with a fly pole. Uh, I can probably. I, I'm an avid fly fisherman, but I don't even know. I, I thought about just like going out with a fly pole, tying a fly on there, and just letting her go. And just seeing if it works. But as far as the guys using a, a floating rig and a slip bobber and or you know a slip float whatever, 
I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, I was hard-pressed. I got in one day of salmon fishing last year and started learning. But I'm going to have to have uh, Aaron, our, bu- our buddy, you know, I'm going to have to have Aaron show us how to salmon fish again. Oh, you yeah, were there, weren't the, you? Yeah. yeah the, that was the only day we the went big out. big rocks that we threw out there. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen fishing like that in my life. It's pretty cool. I know. I didn't I'm, even catfish like that. No. I usually just try to mimic whatever I think is in that environment. You know, if there's, if it's frog season, if it's crawdad season, if it's worms, you know, like I try to figure out what are they naturally eating in the environment right now. Mm-hmm. And then I try to match the bait to that. And I've always done pretty well. Yeah. I mean, not with steelhead and salmon, but I've never had the opportunity yet. So, yeah. Well, uh, let's see here. Oh, I, I made some, I was looking, I was looking at my phone cause I had made some notes on periodically as i'm driving around I, I make notes like little little things i want to cover in the in the podcast and i was i was just looking at those notes so oh i gotta tell you the other day since we we're we were talking about food earlier so ashley made the uh she is such a good cook mm-hmm. that we had we'd gotten spaghettios and she was making spaghettios just like sunday after church and uh she she actually made spaghettios taste like you're eating a gourmet meal. Jeez. Yeah. It wasn't that like tinny nasty spaghettio taste. It was like she made these things taste phenomenal. That's a good wife right there. Like <laughs> uh Adrian does the same thing. She could take a, a can uh, or a bottle of uh spaghetti sauce and noodles. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she does to it to doctor it up. All the spices and garlic and whatever yeah. else she puts in it, but the taste from before to after is completely different. It's way better. <laughs> we are blessed to have some women that can cook. Oh, I know it. I know it. We had talked earlier about um, doing recipes on the podcast. Right. And we haven't gotten there yet. We're just too busy doing whatever we're doing. But anyway. Well, all right. So we're in Luke chapter 9. Yes. Let's see here. Man, I feel like I feel like I'm in the... I, I was going to make a joke about you being in the hot seat, but you're actually... A lot higher than I am, because normally I'm sitting on a futon. And... Do you want me to see my switch? No, no, no. I don't Sorry. want. I, kinda... I want you talking down to me. I like it. I feel superior up here. <laughs> okay, so we're in uh, Luke chapter nine. This yep. is, we we've been covering, uh, walking our way through Luke, and uh, we've made it here. Jesus is getting ready to uh, call all the disciples together, and uh, and give them authority. Uh, power and authority over the uh, demons and healing diseases, casting out demons and healing diseases. So now, so what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and go through this chapter nine, relate it like we normally do to um, our lives today. Yep, sounds great. So he's uh, we're starting off here, verse one. Like I just said, he's giving them the disciples the right to exercise this power and authority over all the demons. And uh, to heal diseases. Now he sent he sends them out to preach the kingdom of God, and this is coming out of verse two. And this is as we move into verse three, the significance of it is, is pretty easy if you're used to if you, if you're used to studying and you've been at this point. We should we should know what he what God's telling us through His Word here. But He tells them, take nothing for your journey. Right. And so, and I like how the amplified version, uh, the amplified translation gives you those little snippets, you know, because it says here in verse three, take nothing for your journey that might encumber you, mm-hmm. neither a walking stick, nor a bag, nor bread, nor money, 
and do not even have two tunics apiece. So what does he want him? What is he? What is he basically saying there? Well, I'd, I'd hate to think that encumbering would would be you know none of these are are cumbersome things to carry, right? You know, right. it's all those things would fit into a backpack, you know, and we could carry those pretty easily. So I don't think it was physically encumbered. I think it was spiritually encumbered. You know, yeah. the faith that we need um, that we see in Scripture, where Jesus says, you know. Look at the sparrows that we that God feeds every morning. You're you know? getting yeah. Am I getting not, ahead? Sorry. You're not getting ahead of me, but that's actually I um, I was kind of doing a little as I read through every now and then, and I write stuff in there, you know, like Bible verses and stuff. And we're gonna get to this what you're talking about later on in Luke, but I okay. did want to kind of reference it because it's gonna be a second before we get there because we've been actually going pretty slow <laughs> through the book of Luke. But it comes up, and uh, you're actually referencing Luke chapter 12. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and even, you know, the, the verse before where we see, and not skipping ahead, but just, a, I guess, a precursor, where he gives them power over all the demons, emphasis on all. And we see later in chapter 9, the disciples struggled to get a demon out of a young boy. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll cover that a little bit more in depth when we finally get there. Um, but you're right. So what he's saying is... Have faith in me. You right. have faith in Jesus. Uh, and, and we talk about that a lot. And it comes up a lot it's because it's important, faith yeah. in Jesus. But we, we should rely on Jesus to provide everything for right. us. So that's why he's like, hey, don't take anything with you. Plus, it also is a kind of a, um, that way you're not there. That way people, when you come into town as a, as the disciples, when they come into town, they don't think you have an ulterior motive. Right. You know, you're not there to collect money. You're not there to, you're, you're there to simply uh, preach the kingdom of God. Right. Well, and you're also opening the door for the people, you know, I think, you know, we'll go on to, to show that, you know, when you, in verse four, when you go into a house, uh, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And basically saying that those people are going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. In that house, you know they're going to feed you. They're going to give you a bed to to lay in, and mm, there's yeah. a peace that they gave in return for that, right? Yeah. You know, they gave a peace to that house. They blessed that house as they came in, and by bringing in all your own stuff, your own food, your own tunics, your own everything else, you're robbing them of the blessing of being able to to repay you in some way by giving you some food, by giving you a new shirt, you know, to yeah, kind of oh, take I like care the of you. Way you. I like the way you look at that. As far as, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I like to serve other people. You know, like when you came and blessed us with firewood a couple weeks ago. Like, doesn't that feel good? You know, to bless another family? It's like, you you open up a different kind of bond with that person. Mm -hmm. Like when you were able to to bless them and they're able to bless you back. Yeah, and it it also, I think it also robs God of that blessing too. As far as, you know, you can't rely on your own ambitions. And I think I have... uh, I think I have that somewhere. Um, okay, so the the Luke verse twelve, uh, chapter twelve, verse twenty seven through thirty four. Kind of, I it's kind of a supporting verse to what he's talking about in uh, in that first part of chapter nine. So it says, "Consider the lilies and wildflowers; how they grow in an open field. They neither labor nor spin uh, wool to make uh, clothing." Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, all of his glory and splendor, dressed himself like the one of these. But, but if this is how God clothes the grass, 
which is in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So as far as you do, do not seek what you will eat and uh, what you will drink, nor have an anxious and unsettled mind. For all the pagan nations of the world greedily seek these things, and your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. Yeah. He seek, already knows. Seek first the kingdom of God. He'll take care of you. Yeah. yeah what, I thought that was a really good supporting uh, verse. To And we'll cover that more in detail. It'll be uh, redundant, yeah. I guess. But... Well, and, and look what Jesus is doing here. I mean, he's pushing these guys out for the first time on their own, mm-hmm. right? And he's shown them the example all up to this point of how he's living. He doesn't have a house. He doesn't have a bunch of food he's carrying with him. He's not carrying around a bunch of tunics. Yeah. I mean, I don't have... Uh, foxes have a burrow. He, he and, brings that up. Right. Yeah. I mean, he constantly repeats himself right. as far as, I. hey, even I, Jesus, God in the flesh, is relying on the Father. Right. For uh, to for sustainability, you know, mm-hmm. for uh, you know, to provide. And these guys aren't filled with the Spirit yet. You know, they're they haven't received the Holy Spirit, so they're, you know, coming from a whole lineage of Jews, and they've been walking just like we walk in the world up until we met Christ, putting your faith fully on yourself to provide for yourself. Yeah. So to stretch yourself in a way <clears throat> to say, I'm going to go just cruise around the countryside with nothing. Mm-hmm. And just expect that God's going to take care of me. I mean, that's a huge leap of faith. It sure is. Yeah, and it, it's it's a new concept for him. Right. Which is probably why Jesus has to con- uh, continually uh, repeat himself. Right. <laughs> you know? so it all sounds strange. Like, we've read these verses for a while now. I mean, if you've yeah. been a Christian for a long time, you read these and it's kind of grown accustomed to them and comfortable with them. But yeah. this is all brand new to them. Yeah, it's hard to put yourself in their shoes. For sure. But... That's what that's that's what this is here for is to show us because we should all strive to be more like Jesus. Yep. All right, so uh, where are we at? Chapter five or chapter five, uh, verse five. Um, and those uh, and as for all those who do not welcome you, when you leave that city, shake the dust off your feet, breaking all ties with them as a testimony against them that they rejected my message. Okay, we're gonna stop there for a second. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much digging you did into that, but you know it's like uh, I think that is an old adage, isn't it? You know, shake it off, or you know, dust yourself off. What that what's that is coming from? Now I I could be wrong, but what I did read was that when uh, Jewish leaders or you know spiritual leaders, whatever, however you want to call, what were they? Religious leaders would go into a Gentile city. They would actually shake the dust off their feet because they didn't want to take any part of the, you know, because they 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 were they were dogs. It was dirty. They yeah. were dirty. Right. They would dust themselves off. They would dust their feet off because they didn't want to take any part of that Gentile city with them back to wherever they were going, back right. to Jerusalem, you yep. know, back to the holy city. Well, I think it's a, a strong statement to make. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's almost like a curse to that city. You know, like. If it was a city that was, we see, you know, later, uh, they go to Bethsaida, uh, if I'm mm-hmm. pronouncing that right. Yeah, I uh, don't know. I sat there and <laughs> I sat there and just repeated it. And re- I said, Bethsaida, Bethsaida, Bethsaida. Yeah, I, I know. don't know. <laughs> but like, um, I think in Revelations, you know, Jesus calls out Bethsaida for their unfaithfulness, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, um, it's kind of weird to see a whole city be proclaimed as dirty, but we see it all through scripture, you know, like uh, Jonah. When he's going to Nineveh, right? Or yeah. not, not supposed to go to Nineveh, but that's where he turns. Right. Uh, 
Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. The whole yeah. the whole town's condemned. You know, it's like exactly. if they don't want to hear what I have to say, then get out of there and let them let them burn. Right. And I think we're gonna um, we could also get into that here later. It, you know, it's funny how when you read through the Bible, that how everything just kind of meshes together. Right. Yeah, because you can relate what comes up later, even in this just this one chapter. Everything is just you can be like, oh well, that. You know, no, we'll get into this, but no one puts his hand to the, <coughs> no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. Right. We can relate that to Sodom and Gomorrah and to, um, pillar of salt. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll get into that. We'll get into that. All right. So they began going from village to village. They preached the gospel and healed the sick. We don't have to really go into the verse seven through, uh, pretty much. Let's see here. Okay, seven through nine. It, there's really not much there. You guys can go read it for yourself. If you're those of you listening, um, it's pretty much Herod Antipas or Antipas, however you want to say that he was the governor, um, and he had heard what Jesus was doing and wanted to meet him, and he was um, he was perplexed. So he was because he had heard all these. He of course words out now. Words out about what Jesus is doing, and unless you have something on that that we that you want to touch on, I just don't know how significant it is because he thinks he's like oh you know there's people coming and telling him that oh some say it's John the Baptist and then, and then there's some that's telling him it's uh, it, it's Elijah and uh, so he wants to meet Jesus which he ends up meeting Jesus closer to his crucifixion mm-hmm. but uh, and. Of course, yeah, I like that story. We'll cover it as we get further into Luke, but uh, he pretty much gives them the cold shoulder. <laughs> it's like I don't need to talk to you. You know, you don't want to meet me for because you're you're genuinely interested in. He he wasn't genuinely interested in Jesus. He was just he heard all these amazing stories and wanted to see for himself. He wanted to see the miracles. He didn't want to see Jesus himself, no. the Messiah. He was threatened by him. I mean, this yes. is a guy that could potentially upend his rule. So, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's all the Jews thought that's what he came for. The Messiah was here to wage war against the Romans and give them back their land. And that's essentially kind of what he was, but not really there. Yeah, to do. you wondered what the motive was there, you know, because there was a, uh, there was a little bit of uh, what the word perplexed means in that, within that context. There was a little something on that, but... I don't know. I, I didn't really dig too deep. What I thought was cool is, you know, they don't really, I mean, <clears throat> as we get to the end of the chapter, you know, they just kind of come back to Jesus and we'll get there. But it doesn't really talk about what happened. You know, they came and talked to Jesus when they returned from this journey of theirs. Mm-hmm. But what this is telling to me is they were obviously pretty successful if the word had gotten back to Herod. You know, if if, if people are coming and, and telling him, hey, these guys are going all over the place and they're mm-hmm. spreading this gospel of Jesus, people are being healed and yeah. you know, miraculously healed. That's all coming back to him. So it kind of shows me that, you know, they were having the desired effect when Jesus sent him out. Sure. Sure. And, you know, yeah, I wondered what that was like, how um, they, they returned in verse 10 and they, they told him all that they had done, which, of course, he, he Jesus, like we said, God in the flesh, he already knew. He, he knew what was going to happen when he sent them out. And then he's they're going to privately withdraw across the Jordan uh, to, here we are, Bethsaida or Bethsaida, however you say that. Right. Um, 
And, you know, here we go again. Jesus is a big deal. How these people find him? I don't know. I mean, there wasn't text messaging back then. There wasn't, you know, how does that, how does that happen? Because a crowd finds him, and we're going to learn that it's a rather large crowd right. that finds him. I mean, I think, and, you know, kind of going back to what he's telling the disciples, um, spiritual power and authority over demons and sickness is manifested in no greater way than when exercised in conjunction with the preaching of the gospel. You know, like, that's what brought the crowds in. You know, they weren't, they didn't know what Jesus was about. They kind of maybe heard some stories, Mm -hmm. but what they knew was they could, he could heal my sickness. He could heal my, my, my body. He could heal my wife or my child. That's what drew them to Christ. Yeah. And the same thing that he taught to the disciples, you know, go there and heal them and teach the gospel. It's in conjunction. You know, people see that attesting miracle Mm -hmm. and they see that this is real. Like God's power would not be in this if what they were saying was not true. Yeah. So they find him. Now, the day, they're coming to the end of the day, and uh, the disciples were, they, they just, they wanted to, they must have wanted to have their time with Jesus. They wanted to be able to tell the stories, right. tell about their journeys, and because you can imagine as, like, when you first become a believer, that high that you're on. Yep. These guys must have felt, I mean, having that and being able to, to, to do all that through the power of Jesus, uh must have been must have felt like you were just high yeah and so of course they want to talk about it i mean i i wondered about that because it's like this is the first taste they've had of some kind of godly authority you know mm-hmm. they haven't had the holy spirit indwell in them yet yeah you know like that's the same kind of power that hopefully we can strive to achieve someday yeah. <laughs> but the apostles you know like i mean wow they've been watching jesus walk around doing this and they've been in awe watching him perform these miracles and say what he had to say mm-hmm. and now they're doing it themselves do you think that it's safe to say that it was at this point that they went from disciples disciple being a student of a rabbi to to the apostles it's almost like another level am i correct in the same i think that? so because there was a lot more disciples before the 12 you know they i don't remember the exact number was it like 50 or it was big yeah there was a lot of disciples and the 12 kind of emerged from that group okay all right but yeah i always thought that it's like okay it was like it was almost right at this point that it's that here they are they're apostles now and of course i don't think they become because apostles are special messengers yeah and eyewitnesses to the um the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. So I think that is the full, you know, so it does come full circle, but this is the the beginning of the rise of the apostles. For sure, yeah. So, okay, so they they come up to Jesus, and they say, send the crowd away. (laughs) So that they may go to the surrounding villages in the country, find lodging, and get provisions, because we're here, they're here in this isolated place. There's nothing. They're in a field, they're in a... um, However, you know the the chosen series. Of course, if you have if you've seen it, of course they're in a field. But who I, I don't know exactly. I've never been over there. I'd love to visit, but uh, they're they're in an isolated place. There's no there's no town around. So they're like, hey, get them, hey, send them away, and just have them stay someplace. Maybe alluding to the fact that they might be able to just let's just continue this in the morning, right? You know. Well, yeah, I mean, out there, if, if you, I mean, especially if there's women and children, you know, they're, they don't have tents, they don't have any food, they they all went out there on faith to see Jesus and hopefully get healed. Yeah. 
<clears throat> oh, okay, okay. We got ahead of ourselves because verse 11, the, these crowds show up. Um, they followed him there. He welcomed them, obviously. Right. You know, that's what he's, that's what he's here to do. And uh, he, he began talking to them and preaching the kingdom of God and healing those who needed healed. So then now we had jumped, we had jumped a little too far forward. It, it was the end of the day um, after Jesus actually preached. So um, now we're back to verse 13. Uh, he's like, he, he, told, he tells the disciples, you give them something to eat. And they said, <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we, we have five loaves and two fish. So unless, unless we can go to town and buy food for all these people, uh, we just can't do this. Right. <laughs> Logistically impossible, Lord. And um, and if you haven't picked up on it yet, we're talking about the five thousand. It's the feeding of the five thousand. There's so there's roughly five thousand people. And it, so he says, uh, Jesus gives them this this organization tip. <laughs> right. Say let's let's get everybody in groups of fifty. Which, of course, that's significant because um, that lets you know that that gives you an idea um, the historical accuracy of um, how many people were actually there. Because, you know, 50, there was, uh, what is that, 1,000 groups of 50, I guess? Well, I think I read somewhere that, um, you know, 5,000 men, it's the only miracle that it was attributing to men, Mm -hmm. it wasn't counting women and children. Oh, that's right. So there was more. There was probably more than that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're just counting the guys, you know, there's probably a lot more women and children. Just that as went along many. With. Yeah, and, at least. And just like the disciples, they're all hopped up because they've been watching people get healed. They're hearing this radical new gospel. Like everyone, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, you'd be in awe. Like you don't want to leave Jesus. You don't want to leave this party. You want to stay. Yeah. I would want to stay. That would have been a heck of a party. Right. Especially what he's fixing to do. So if you think maybe, all right, there's 5,000 guys, so maybe we can guesstimate, you know, not all of them are married, so maybe like 7,000 people, if you count the women and children. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people. A lot. Uh, Jesus is fixing to feed them with two loaves, or five loaves and two fish. Right. And that's, you know, if, if somebody said, well, there's a lot of periods in time. If I had a time machine, I would go back to, like, see some of this stuff, just... Not because I need it to believe, but it would just be cool. It's like, how did, did it just appear? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just picture a basket, and, like, you reach in, and you pull out a, a piece of fish. And I think it, it says that they, they divided it. Like, they kind of broke it up. Yeah, it just kept breaking. Like, it doesn't matter. You hold, Imagine holding a loaf of bread, and every time, you just keep breaking a piece off, but it never gets smaller. Right. I, that may have been what it was like. I have no idea, but it would have been cool to see. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering about the fish. I mean, I I would think like you you know you, you take a fish and you put it on the table and you chop your fillets you know you kind of cut off the head cut off the tail right I don't know how they ate fish back in in, in the Jewish days you know like <laughs> I'm guessing they didn't just mow into the the whole fish on itself but I, yeah yeah I think they cut it up right they kind of maybe to, I don't know but don't know. They're, they're in baskets so I'm thinking like like I don't know he blessed them and then they just start pulling. You know, is is it okay? So let's let's look into that a little bit. Verse sixteen. So they all sit down in groups of about fifty each. Um, he took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up into heaven, of course, giving thanks and blessing them. We should all give thanks to God for um, providing. And uh, he broke them. There you go. Okay, mm-hmm. and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. 
and they all ate and were and were completely satisfied and the broken pieces in which they had left over were abundant and were picked up 12 baskets full so they they weren't necessarily i i think jesus was breaking this stuff up and just handing it to them and these you know disciples were keep kept coming and they're just dis, dispersing this it makes it sound in here that the 12 baskets were uh the leftovers right okay now how we've seen that in our to in our day and age and how much how much more does god bless you uh with the you know he he overflows i made a i made a note here and uh we covered it already in luke chapter 6 verse 38 okay uh if we want to look back there it'll do a little better at describing what I'm trying to describe, and I can't get it out of my mouth. Was it Luke what? Or Mark? Uh, no, Luke chapter 6. Oh, 6. Verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. They will That's pour out your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, together running, running over, over, with no space left for more. We see that in today's age. We see that here. I mean, not only did he he didn't have to make leftovers. They could have just fed everybody in Taylor full, and that was it. Because of course, you know, God knows what you need. We've right. already established that, and uh, but he he made more. You know, he he over provided, which is not not saying that in a negative uh, condemnation, but uh, he he always blesses you with more. Well, and you think about it, they didn't just let it go to waste, right? They collected it, and mm-hmm. I, I doubt that each disciple carried a basket full of fish and bread with them on the boat. Right. right? So I'm guessing that that went back to the people, because again, they're spending the night out in the wilderness with them, right? Mm-hmm. They got to eat something in the morning, too. Yeah. Right? And they got to get back to town. Midnight so, snacks. We all like the midnight snacks. Hey. <laughs> so it's like, he, and, and like, you know, the disciples just saw previously that God fed them the entire time they were out on their journey. Yeah. And here's God providing now to this huge group of people, not a, just enough for a meal. You know, it's not, you think of like people starving that they get a little plate of rice, you know, and maybe a chunk of fish. Yeah. Just enough to kind of make you satisfied. Kind of get them by. Right. Yeah. You know, like we're not starving, you know, I'm not going to bed starving, but I'm not really full either. No, he stuffed their bellies and then gave them an More. abundance to say, hey, if you wake up and you're still hungry, I got food for you. When you leave tomorrow morning, when you wake up. Here's breakfast too, and here's a snack for the way home. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like... And we see that we see that even now. You know, you, you practice the hospitality, mm-hmm. and and God blesses you in another way. Right. And and it's always more than what you would expect. It's like okay, um, say you're stressing about bills, okay, and you you need just you need a hundred bucks to pay that electric bill. What does God end up doing? He gives you 200 bucks. So now you can maybe go out and get you, uh, you can overpay on that and you're good for next month. Or, right. you know, that's how God's blessings work. I'm not saying all the time, but because there's lessons to be learned, of course. But that's, you know, that's how great he is. He's a good father. He knows how to give us good gifts. Mm-hmm. And he's rich. He owns everything. Yeah. You know, it's all his. So... It's it's great to see the abundance that he pours out on the faithful and those that his children. You know, mm-hmm. I just I I love that, and I love the fact that you know as you're reading through uh, God's word that you pick up on stuff. And you're like, man, 
because all of us reading through this can think of a time where God has blessed us abundantly. Right. Way beyond what you would expect. Yeah. Well, I think that's how he shows you it's from him. You know, like <clears throat> the same way that he says, not by works, you know, lest you would boast. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he uses the lowest of the low to achieve the biggest of the big. Because then it's so blatantly clear that it was God doing it and not the person. Yeah. You know? Okay. So moving on, verse 18. And it, now it happened that Jesus was praying privately. The disciples were with him. Um, <clears throat> now he gets into this, who do the crowd say that I am? I wonder what sparked this, you know? I think he was setting him up for what was coming up in 28. Do you? Okay. So they answered him. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others uh, think that you're ancient, uh, one of the ancient prophets that come back to life. Then he, then he turns it, just as any conversation would go, who do you think that I am? Right. Are you following Are you following with the crowd? Are you just, are you listening to what everybody else is saying and just kind of believing what they're saying? We can see that today, mm-hmm. you know. You know that comes in that get that dives into the little bit of uh, water of false prophets and all that. Are you believing what everybody else is saying instead of, you know, reading through God's word and finding out who Jesus really is? Right. So who? But who do you say they am? Peter pipes up, "You're Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed uh, of God," and then uh, he now he's going to go into telling them, "He's he, you were going to see this." He's going to continually start to remind them that what his job is for, what what he has come in the flesh to do. So he tells them, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected as the Messiah by the elders and chief priests and scribes, which is the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court, and be put to death, and on the third day be raised up from death to life. Okay, so he's, he's giving them a little snippet but he, he's he's telling them a little bit of bad news, but what they obviously fail to hear is the good news. It'd be raised back up. Right. Well, yeah, and, and I think, um, I'm not sure if it was in Matthew or Mark, but the same story, you know, where Peter makes this, this you know, proclamation. Mm-hmm. He tells him, you know, this, is, this isn't something that you understood on your own this is something that the holy spirit helped you to understand this was a secret kind of passed to you by god for you to see right you know directly to peter same guy that was you know trying to walk across the water and i mean he's building it you know and i i love a scripture that or not a scripture but i was reading a uh i think a sermon or something and it said peter was a super passionate loose cannon he was wasn't he right So like you think of this guy, you know, like I, I kind of liken myself to Peter. I feel like I'm, I get pretty passionate about it and I'm kind of a loose cannon. I just say whatever comes on my mind. Mm-hmm. But I, I think in the same situation, you know, like, like all the other, the 11 other disciples were not saying anything to Jesus, you know, in that request because they didn't know. Yeah. But that re- revelation was given to Peter by the Holy Spirit of who he truly was. Yeah, and and it's funny because you, you you say that Peter is passionate, and he is very he is obviously very passionate, because if you remember, um, either probably later on in Luke, <coughs> he you know Jesus tell him this again, and he rebukes him right for just and a little it's bit like, later right, <laughs> get behind me Satan. Yeah, where where is that? Uh, is that 
I don't even think it's in this chapter. I don't think it's in uh, in Luke, but I think it's in another book where basically the same. It was right after the same story, where I think it's a couple scriptures later. He tells him, "Get me behind me, Satan." It, yeah, it was Jesus trying to say, "I have to go to Jerusalem and and be." crucified and yeah peter pipes up like no you don't need to go and he's like no he he didn't want to, he, he didn't want to hear that and of course i've heard i've heard several people talk about that and part of me wants to kind of feel um bad for peter you know i mean of course jesus knew what he knew his heart condition knew what how he was saying that but of course being the reader and, and reading it for face value it's it's almost like Oh, you know what? It's the same thing as like if you told me that you had to go and die, and it's like, no, you know, you I don't, don't want have... you to die. Yeah, you know, I, it was it's more of like a that I I love you so much that I don't want you to die instead of like no, that's just not happening. It's not like I'm calling you a liar. It's like no, I I don't want you to go. You yeah. know, and Peter's the one that sliced off the guard's ear, you know, in Gethsemane, right? Like, yeah, I mean, he's a dude like he was a passionate warrior, like he was a fighter. You know, yeah, like, he loved the Lord. So he tells him this, and then um, I like that coming out of verse 23 here, he was saying to him, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself. And I like this because I looked it up and uh, had some notes on it, but the, the this amplified version pretty much says it all here. Uh, set aside selfish interests. So denying yourself is your selfish ambitions. Mm-hmm. Set them aside. Take up your cross, which means you have to, and this this goes back to a daily. You have to, you daily take up your cross. You're uh, expressing your. Let me find it again. Expressing your willingness to endure whatever may come, mm-hmm. and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. That's that's pretty strong. Yeah, that's. We have to be willing, if need be, to die for for Jesus, as he died for us. Right. Do you have anything to add on that? No, I mean, it's it's pretty... This is something that I think I struggle with the most in my Christian walk is... And we've kind of talked about this a little bit, you know, like, how much are we supposed to be like Jesus? You know, like, how much of his lifestyle are we supposed to try to live? Mm-hmm. I would and, assume all of it. Right. And it's that's a hard pill to swallow, especially as you and I are both fathers of great many children. Yeah, <laughs> right. To look at our wife and say, "We're gonna sell everything, give it all to the poor, and go hit the streets." Yeah, you know, with no food, no backup plan, no place to stay, no car. Yeah, I mean, hard to do. Yeah, I don't think anyone really is willing to do that anymore. I mean, it, right? I don't think that I can say I I would at this point. It'd be a lot of prayer. But I mean, think of the liberty that came. I mean, obviously the disciples were probably just as apprehensive before he sent them out. Mm -hmm. But look how they came back rejoicing. And like, like you you know, we're talking about, they came back to life. Right. You know, so obviously he's going to keep to his word, but it's hard to take that step of faith. It is most certainly is. So he, he goes on to say in verse 24, for whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it. Through death, of course, that's what we we have. We're only in a tent, so. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake, remaining faithful, mm-hmm. 
He is the one who will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. So, keep the faith and try and... The, the best we can do is try and be like Jesus. Right. We're never going to reach full righteousness, and I mean, of course, until we die and uh, and get to paradise, be with Jesus. Um, and even then, you know, that you know, it's questionable. But um, we we we're stuck in a sinful body. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I look at that verse too, um, and say, you know, it, and it, it clearly says death, you know, through death. But is that physical death or spiritual death that he's referencing to Mm. i don't know um the consequences of sin and separation from god kind of shows that maybe it's talking about the spiritual death right and i think of me losing my life i look at everything that i've built my life to be my job my house you know all our possessions my kids my wife Mm -hmm. if i lose my life in that fashion i'm giving all that up and I'll save my life because I'm taking on the life of Christ, right? Right. So I'm not really saying that I'm going to die for Christ. Like I'm going to, you know, take a spear to the chest, <laughs> but more or less, I'm going to I'm going to give my life up, my will for my life, mm-hmm. my plans for my life, and instead live for Christ and His will. Right. Because we we can make all the plans in the world. I thought I wrote that down. So we can make all the plans in, but it's ultimately. God's plans in our life is what matters and, and what ultimately takes place. All right. It's his story. All right. So I was almost there. Uh, let's I, see. I think he kind of alludes to that too in 25. You know, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, which is wealth, fame, success, and loses or forfeits himself? And, uh, you know, kind of what I was saying just a second ago, you know, I, I think he's kind of pointing to that saying, you know, so what if you give up me and you go proceed to pursue all this wealth in life? Like, what's it going to gain at the end? You know, you're going to you're going to forfeit yourself um, for all that instead. And you look at, you know, the blink or the vapor of our life here on Earth versus eternity. You know, and I think you're going to laugh at yourself and say, like, wow, I thought my life, you know, it's like kind of like your four years in high school. Right. You know, like during those four years, like that's all your life is, is high school. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the grand scheme of, of your entire time on Earth, it's a very small time. Right. You know, it's like, I don't know. I was looking it up because, of course, I, I like using uh, some of the enduring word um, commentary on it. And um, let's see here. For what profit, it, you were just going over what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world, mm-hmm. right? So avoiding, what it says here is avoiding the walk to death with Jesus means that we may gain the whole world and end up losing everything. Jesus himself had the opportunity to gain the whole world by worshiping Satan, but found life and victory in obedience instead. Amazingly, the people who live this way before Jesus are the ones who are really genuinely happy, giving our lives to Jesus all the way and living as others-centered person does not take away from our lives, but adds to it. Mm-hmm. So, living in a way that Jesus did, and that's what you can have. Having everything in the world doesn't make you happy. It's the peace and the and the. Uh, it's the peace you find through Jesus. For sure. Well, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, think of the freedom. If you didn't have to, you woke up in the morning, mm-hmm. and you didn't have to worry about paying bills, going to work. 
you know, yeah. any, any of the things that we have to worry about on a daily basis, like you can actually just get up and say, what's your will today, Lord? I'm free to do whatever you want. My time, mm -hmm. my day is completely open, Lord. Show me what you want us to do. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I think that's what he calls us to do is to not worry about, he, he will provide. He knows that we need to, he knows that, um, he, he does give us all the stuff that we have, all everything. Yeah. Our houses. He knows that bills come with that. That's why he, he'll either bless you with a job or, you know, that's why you can lean on him to get you through that. You don't have to stress about that each and every day. Well, what a weight off your shoulders to not have to stress about that, you know. Well, as... we, here's the thing. We can see that nowadays. How, how stressed, because uh, uh, I'll tell you my, how stressed about these banks going down lately. Mm-hmm. Bank crashing. I walked into work the other day, and they're like, uh, my boss is like, oh, a bank, uh, a bank went down again. You know, another bank went down. I was like, another one? I was like, when did the first one go down? He's <laughs> like, oh, heck, I ain't concerned about it anyway. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Right. Because I have full faith and trust that uh, God is going to carry us through. That You know, I have faith and trust in Jesus that when, when we put our hope and trust in him, that I don't have to worry about a bank going down or about food prices going up or it, there's little stressors there. It makes life just a little bit more difficult. But Jesus already told us that our lives are not going to be easy as it is. Yeah. So. Well, I, like I said, we're both fathers, right? What yeah. if you saw our kids and they were stressing about, what are we going to eat tomorrow for breakfast, Dad? Do we have enough food, Dad? Yeah. What would you tell them? I got you, buddy. Yeah. You know, like, you don't Settle need to down. worry about that. <laughs> you know, you're going to eat just fine. Yeah. You know, like, but it, for us, like, we're kind of in that same situation with God. Like, we're, we're so used to providing for ourselves mm -hmm. that making that handoff or that transition and saying God's going to provide for us. And I think a lot of people get kind of confused on that, too. They think, oh, okay, so I just quit everything and I'm just going to sit on the corner and God's going to you know, lower a plate of turkey down from the heaven. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that, you know, and that's unbiblical too. Right. Because he tells us to work. Right. <laughs> you're so not like, supposed to sit there and wait for handouts. Right. Yeah. You're so, supposed to work with your hands. Exactly. So, However that looks. Right. Whether it's at a computer, uh, you do a lot of computer work, you're supposed to be able to provide. And it's, it's okay to leave. It's okay to have that money. Mm -hmm. It's okay to leave an inheritance for your kids because you can't just sit there and expect him to pray. We, I, you know, as a Christian, I feel bad sometimes about, you know, hey, God, can you please just help me through this? And you're always asking for help. But that's, it, it's it's kind of a, um, it's a back and forth. You know, it's like, a, I feel bad about it, but I know that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to lean on him. That's what he wants us to do. Right. It's a relationship. He wants yeah. us to talk back and forth. And like we were just saying, um, you know, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be given to you. Like God knows that you need them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's right out of Jesus' mouth. He knows you need to eat. He knows you need stuff. He'll give them to you. Yeah. You know, and I think it's just a really hard, especially we're, we're the providers, right? We're the men of the family. We have the job. We pay the bills. You know, we, mm -hmm. and it's like that's our role for our family is to be the provider. Yeah. But yet it's hard for us to accept God, our father, as that role as that role that we're in right now exactly yeah so here he makes a bold it, not a bold statement but a uh, it can't it's it's a strong statement i can't i'm not very good with words christian I, uh, you're fine <laughs> so uh for whoever is ashamed here and now of me 
and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Heavenly Father and of the holy angels. Mm-hmm. I think you've brought that up to me before. It's like sometimes you think that you're walking on thin ice. Mm-hmm. Am I am I am I ashamed of him? You know, because there are days that it's like uh, I should have told that person about Jesus. I should have shared the gospel with that person, or I could have done this and I could have done that. Was that me being ashamed? Is he going to be ashamed of me now that I didn't say what I was supposed to say? I mean, he understands we're you know he understands we're a sinful person, and how you know what do you think about that? I think, you know, for me personally, there are times I've been ashamed, you know, when I was younger in my walk with Christ where, you know, I don't want to talk to G- about Jesus with my family who were unbelievers. You know, like mm-hmm. I knew that wasn't a popular topic and I knew they're going to think I'm kind of crazy. Um, and like my family's Catholic, you know, yeah. but for them, like to go this deep into Jesus was kind of, it's weird for mm-hmm. them, right? So like I would avoid those conversations and I wasn't ready yet. I didn't have enough scripture or enough wisdom in my spirit from God to be able to have those conversations. So I felt really bad. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was ashamed. And now I I think there's no better subject to talk about. You know, it's, it's an intelligent conversation to have. I mean, this is the most important thing you could talk about is our eternity and the creator of this world. Yeah. And we should, because you're right. We are. Everything hinges on this. Right. I mean, you want those people you interact with, family, friends, whatever. I want to see you guys in heaven with me. Right. You know, so why should we be ashamed of it? We shouldn't. And even more so, like, not just in what you say, but I think actions speak louder than words, you know, and Mm -hmm. people see the love in things that you do. They see the love in the way that you do them, you know, the way that you speak with them. Um, it's not a human love. It's God's love poured out into you, overflowing to into them. them. Right. Exactly. And they see that that's different than what the rest of the world is doing. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. People see, why is Christian so happy? Why is he, why are you giving away, uh, you know, whatever, you know, right. why, why'd you why... stop that guy to help him change his tire on the highway? Exactly. You're late for work already. You know, yeah. it's like, no, cause that's love. That's the love of Jesus. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm preaching to myself just as much because there are times that, uh, you know, I've been either ashamed in quotations, you know, it's like, I'm not ashamed, but it's just, I'm not good. I can speak over this mic just fine. But when it comes to actually, you know, like, how do you start that conversation? Mm-hmm. And you're right. Actions speak louder than words. So where do we all start? Let's just start by showing love to others through our actions and through the way we live, both privately and publicly. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you look around and you're observant, and just today I was coming back from the grocery store and mm-hmm. coming down Main Street, there's an old man I saw over by the courthouse down on the ground, and I saw his wife trying to help him up. Yeah. I immediately jerked the wheel over and jumped out of the Jeep and ran over and, let me help you, brother. You know, and... yeah. He didn't even need my help. Like, he was getting up on his on his own. I opened the door for him and just said, you know what? God bless you guys. Have a great day. And they said, thank you for stopping. Super simple. It took me 30 seconds before yeah. I was back in the Jeep. But to me, I felt good after that. Like, I want them to see that kind of love. And mm-hmm. in our town, I would hope that that same kind of love would be reciprocated. Exactly. Know? I do that a lot driving. I'm on a ton of back roads. And every time I try... About every time I'm on one of these back roads out in the middle of nowhere 
and there's somebody pulled over. I try and stop yeah. and make you good. Right. Yeah, you know, maybe they're just getting out and peeing or something. Who right. knows? But you know, you never know because there's times if you, I may be the only person that comes by. Right. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Look at the Good Samaritan, right? All the good holy Jews walked right by him. You mm-hmm. know, and because of who he was, he was dirty. He was a Samaritan. He was a Gentile. Yeah. You know, but there's that one good guy that came along and, and took care of him. You know, like, yeah. I think that that story is to show us the kind of love we're supposed to have for our brother. I agree. I agree. So verse 27 here, hmm. I tell you truthfully, there are some among those standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And that's true. I mean, like, <laughs> the kingdom of God is here now. Right lives in the kingdom of God is inside all of us your kingdom come right your will be done it it's here right you know so of course they would make that statement and for some reason let me look back here Luke 17 21 you're looking you see kind of alternate terms used there like <clears throat> sometimes you'll hear Jesus say the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God <clears throat> and I've often wondered what that difference was is there a difference Oh, that's why, uh, that's why I referenced uh, 1721. Nor will people say, okay, so let's back up. Now, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom, because you, you, you can't just quote one verse from every, you know, because you have to back up and read the context in which it was written. So right. verse 20, now having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he replied, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed or with a visible display, nor will people say, look, here it is, or there it is, for the kingdom of God is among you because of my presence. Right. And like we were just, we've said a couple times, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's not in the future. That's not after you die. That's mm-hmm. right now. It's here. Right. All right. So here we are at the trans. The title of it, and of course, these titles are just for us nowadays. This this would have been Luke was written in a scroll, of course, you know, and it was just continuous. But okay. So here we are at the Transfiguration. So about eight days of uh, after these teachings took place, he takes Peter, John, and James, and they go up to the mountain to pray. And so as he's praying, the appearance of his face changes, and he's. Uh, Actually, it's actually, it says in here, it's actually transformed. And his clothing becomes white and flashing with the brilliance of lightning. What a sight. Yeah. So behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah. What do you think? Now, how, how deep did you get into it? Why would you th- think that that's, why, why Moses and Elijah? Well, I think at this point... Um... Like it was foretold, I'll get to Elijah first. Okay. The spirit of Elijah was um, John the Baptist, right? right? So John had already been beheaded. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how that works. (laughs) You know, like, did the spirit of Elijah move into John the Baptist and now it's back into heaven? I I don't know. Well, because here's the thing. Elijah was taken up. Elijah didn't die. Right. Physical body and everything went up. You know, he got carried away on a chariot, you so, know. Obviously, there's something that we don't know going there on. There is, right? and we're just, I'm not smart enough. I haven't done my due diligence to reading into um, how that, because we already know. We know that John the Baptist was in the spirit of Elijah, but he was still, he obviously was not Elijah, Elijah himself. Right, right. Because he still had those doubts. Right. Because um, we saw that earlier in Luke as to, like, are you really the Messiah, the one, you know? Yeah. So, 
Um, obviously, he was higher. So if it was really his within the spirit of Elijah, and we're speculating here, I, I guess, uh, why would he have asked that question earlier in I, Luke? Uh, or in yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not smart enough. I'm not either. But <laughs> I look and, and I think of other people that could have been there, like David. Like obviously, David was a friend of the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. Abraham could have been there, who was a friend of the Lord. Exactly. Um, but instead, they have Moses and Elijah, who you know appeared in glory and, and and talked with them for a while. Right? They hung out. Yeah. Um, so I would have to believe that, you know, prior to Jesus coming down to earth, he resided in the heavenly place where. Moses and Elisha also were, and he's what over thirty years old now. So it's probably been a minute since they've hung out with him, right? And I think for the the might have been those two for the sake of the people, the disciples or apostles that were there with him, but they were sleeping. So he well that too. But what I here I'll tell you what I read. I read about that these two. The the reason that these two show up is that uh, they were one represents the law, Moses. Moses, one represents the prophets, all coming together to meet with Jesus because that's what Jesus was fulfilling was the law and the prophecies and everything. That's why you see this happening. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I had read about it. And they were speaking of his departure. Now, mm-hmm. the word departure is in Greek. In Greek, that word means exodus. And for there to be an exodus... For there to be a departure, there has to be an arrival. Hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to think about. So let's see here. Um, I was saying the, the study guide, the comparison is made between Jesus' death and the journey to salvation that the nation of Israel experienced under Moses. So that kind of goes along with the Exodus as well. Yep. Yep. So that's why it, uh, let's see here. Okay, so I, here's some things that I was reading about in the, in the commentary. Um, oh, well, hold on a second here. Let's not go into that quite yet. And the other thing I, I, I thought was kind of cool is you always see God showing up on top of a mountain. <laughs> right? You know, it's like, I always feel pretty good on top of a mountain. You know, like, that's just more a good place to be. Yeah. And we use that analogy a lot in our spiritual walk. Like, oh, you're up on the mountaintop or you're down in the valley, you know, and... I just I I think there's something significant there of a closeness to God when you go up to the mountains and maybe that's why we love the woods so much. Maybe I don't that's know. why. <laughs> maybe that's why you know, like everybody tries to get, you know, that maybe that's why it's so breathtaking, be so high in the air. You can't get any closer to him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. So <clears throat> this is where I was wanting to take this because I I don't know what I was thinking, where I was going to go with that. Departure means exodus. There's got to be an arrival, which would be, uh, which we can when we when we talk about death, it's our um, departure from this earthly life, but our arrival in heaven, right? Or, you know, so I don't know exactly where I was going with it, but here we go. Peter, uh, they wake up, right, right, and they immediately recognize who's standing. How do they know these guys? These guys came long before these guys, long before the disciples were even born, right? How did? Because there weren't photographs. Maybe there have been paintings. I don't know, but they immediately recognize them. So we can, we can assume that when we get to heaven, that we will recognize those. We will recognize those we love. 
Sure. So if you're if you were wondering if you would recognize your wife, that it, that's a possibility. Now we don't know for sure, but why wouldn't you? Right. I yeah. would think we would. I think that the relationships that we hold on earth with each other, you as my brother. Yeah. Like how much cooler is it going to be for you and me to hang out in heaven if we recognize each other and we have the memories and the love that we already brought to there from earth. Right. Versus just kind of being a without Without the hardships, without the tears and everything, uh, the happy times. Dude, this could be such a celebration. Like I just, I, I, I imagine that feast. You know, <laughs> right. We're all sitting there like, can you, can you believe this is happening? Can you believe we're here right now? Like yeah. Jesus is right over there, bro. <laughs> you know, like there's Moses, there's Elijah. Like, yeah. Will we be able to recognize? Will I we would, recognize? I mean, if they could, I don't think, I think we will too. Boy, that'd be cool. I mean, and we have eternity, so it's not like, oh, they don't have time to talk to me. Man, you could take a week and hang out with Moses for all well, you know. And you I know, listened like, to a podcast late, uh, recently on, on them talking about that. It's like, how cool will it be just to, like, you know, you sit down and hear the different stories, you know, hear of Moses and the Exodus, and and then, like, just go to, like, these, these conference talks and just, like, be able to sit down and listen to their stories, listen to David and listen to, you know. And ask questions. Ask you know? questions, yeah. Like, I never got that verse. What does that mean? And have them explain it to you. Exactly. Like, what were you meaning here? Right. I don't know. That's exactly what they were talking about in the, in the podcast I was listening. I can't remember what it was. But, um, so they're here, they're sitting, uh, they were talking about that and the, they when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and splendor and majesty and the two men who were standing with him. They recognized these men, and uh, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is delightful. So, of course, seeing all this, he's he's overwhelmed. Of course. Why wouldn't you be? And But then you see here, well, he starts like... Just like if, like you coming into my house. Oh, hold on, hold on. Don't come inside yet. I'm, I'm cleaning. I'm cleaning. What should I do? Do you want something to eat? Do you want, uh, you want a drink? You know, he wants to make him comfortable. Let me, let me do this. But he, he kind of puts Jesus. He puts them, Moses and Elijah, on the same level as Jesus, of course, because they're. He's seeing this glorious sight. Right. And because, uh, because Peter's like, here. Oh, should we build? Uh, we should make three sacred tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying, which is what, you know, he's babbling, and uh, he's kind of putting Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah, and that's not, Jesus is way above that. Sure. Well, and I did, <laughs> I did read a little bit more into that um, scripture, because the tents kind of, that kind of threw me off, but then um, what I read was the festival of tents was big for the Jews, and mm-hmm. it was a yearly event where you basically go out in the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, and set up a tent, and you sit in there until you experience God. <laughs> it's like, huh? So, <laughs> and, and it explained that this is a way that a lot of the Jews originally first encountered God would be to be sitting in a tent. I've heard it. I, I read it somewhere. Tabernacles as well. Taber- yeah, the Feast of Tabernacles. Or festival, right. The Tabernacle. Right. Um, but basically, you know, just that, that maybe that was his first inclination because he didn't know what to do with them. You know, like, here are these three glorified bodies. He didn't know they were going to be gone in a little while. He thought maybe they are going to hang out for a while. I don't know. Maybe he just hoped that they would hang out for a while. He had questions, I'm sure. Right. I want to yeah. hang out with him for a bit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he doesn't, you know, we look at these stories with, uh, you know, 2020 vision after the fact. But at the time, I mean, like you said, he's giddy. He's seeing 
glorified people with glorified Lord that well, he they just were, walked up there with. They were obviously in a deep enough sleep that Jesus was able to sit there and have a conversation with these guys for a little while, obviously, before they woke up. So, of course, and you can imagine, if you're dead asleep at night and you wake up and see Jesus and Elijah and Moses talking, I'm going to be a little uh, excited, too. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if, if I woke up and I saw them hanging out outside in the backyard, I'd want to bring them inside and make them a room. <laughs> come on, come on, guys. Let's, stay, let's, for stay, a while, stay. let's stay a while. Why don't yeah. you stay with us? Because, right. I mean, how much more do you want to just remain in the, that glorious presence? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was obviously beautiful enough that that's where he wanted to stay. For sure. Let's, let's just stay in this moment. Right. I don't want to go back to that life. I don't want to go back to them hardships. Yeah, let's stay in this moment. Right. Yeah. Okay, so um, God's got to interject now because he's like, hey, Peter, you're, you're putting Moses and Elijah a little too high on this, on this totem pole here. Jesus is supposed to be at the top, so he's got to remind him. Yeah, but he shows that, you know, I think this is when God comes down in a cloud, <clears throat> kind of shows up to the party. Like, the- Yep, a cloud formed and began overshadowing him. Um, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. I was like, "Okay, are we going to? Are we getting ourselves? Are we getting in trouble now?" But then again, we see this uh, God having to remind them that this is my. This God's talking now. This is my beloved Son, my chosen one. Listen and obey and yield to Him. Mm-hmm. And then the voice, when the voice ceased, Jesus was found there alone. So of course, God's got to humble him again. Right. You know, just as He does with us nowadays, is. Hey, focus on Jesus. Right. You know, recenter, refocus. This is what's important. We all could, we can all stand to recenter and refocus on Jesus. Well, that, that kind of begs the question. You know, did Moses and Elisha show up for the sake of the apostles, or did they show up for the sake of Jesus? Like, did Jesus just need some time with them? You know, like, yeah, I don't did know. he just want to hang out and talk to them for a little while? Because like they're talking about his his departure. Mm-hmm. Right. So obviously. He, I don't know. You know, like he's fully man at the same time he's fully God. I'm sure he's he's toiling with that as he knows what he's, he knows what he has to under undertake. He knows what he's got to, what he's got to endure. Well, as, I guess maybe as a, as a sacrifice. Maybe that's a good insight as to why Moses and Elijah were there. I mean, they left. They led some pretty awful lives for the Lord. I mean, yeah. 40 years in the desert just wandering around. Moses didn't have a good time. No. Nope. Elijah know? didn't either. <laughs> right. Elijah was persecuted. Right. So maybe it's like, I'm I'm about to hit the cross, guys. You know, like, yeah. come give me some moral support, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so they kept silent and told no one at the time any of the things which they had seen concerning the divine manifestation. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't time extremely hard to do right i'm glad they wrote it down for us to read on yeah well and going <laughs> back to 21 you know right after peter made that confession where he said that you're the christ the messiah the anointed of god he immediately came back and he strictly warned and admonished them to not tell this to anyone um and said the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected as the elders and chief priests and basically going on to tell them like it's not time to make this known to everybody right okay and even he shut demons up you know demons oh you're the son of god shut up you yeah (laughs) you're not supposed to let that out of the bag yet yeah yeah and we've we've talked about that in in depth um 
But you're, yeah, that had to have been what it was. Right. So they come down from the mountain. Large crowd met them, as usual. You think, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta love Jesus for being so patient, you know. And, um, and, and I say that to, to kind of kick off where we're going next because they come down, there's this large crowd, and, uh, there's this, uh, guy, I assume it's the, I assume it's the dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I beg you, teacher, to look at my son because he's my only child. The spirit seizes him, and suddenly he cries out and throws him into convulsion. So, so he foams at the mouth. We, epilepsy. Epilepsy. Yeah. That, that's what we see today. But obviously, there, this was not just epilepsy. Right. It was, it was obviously um, a, a demon that needs casting out. And so, uh, let's see, he foams at the mouth, and only with great difficulty does it leave, uh, does it leave him, mauling and bruising him as it leaves. Say, I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. So here Jesus answers them, saying, You unbelieve, unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like he's frustrated. Okay, but we knowing Jesus's character, especially even at this point, you know, maybe he is a little frustrated. He's not mad. You know, he's not. Well, who's he frustrated with? Do you think the disciples? You think it's the disciples, or was it the father? Yes, because they still. He's. I think he's obviously frustrated at the at their lack of. These guys have seen him perform all these miracles, and even gave them the power and authority to do that, and and. Because their faith in Jesus, so he's they they may have shown a little lack. They weren't some demons were harder to cast out because they're more stubborn. Yeah, he seems like he kind of backs up a little bit once he realizes, you know, and so he's he's a little frustrated with that. It's like, how come you don't have full faith in me and my power to have done this? I kind of took it both ways. I kind of took it, you know, just like when he went to his hometown and he couldn't perform any miracles there mm-hmm. because the people didn't have any faith in him. Right. So I kind of looked at maybe the father didn't have faith the disciples could do it. He wanted to wait for Jesus. I see your point. <laughs> you know what that's I mean? A, yeah, that's a valid point. So maybe he point. wasn't yelling at the disciples. He's yelling at this, like, dude, the disciples totally could have done this for you. But it does say that they tried and they could not. Right. So. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know, but um, I said faithlessness and perversity go hand in hand with the ability to cast out demons and to heal the sick. Uh, to the degree that one is faithful and to have faith in Yahweh and His Word is in sync with the degree to which we are able to exercise power over demons and spirits. Hmm. So I, I kind of I see some other things possibly going on here. That's yeah, because like we were talking about earlier, He gave them the authority over all demons, not most demons. Right. So it's like they had the authority. As long as they had the faith. As they had the faith. Right. I, it's like, it's funny. Every conversation we have, everything leads back to you got to have full faith and trust in Jesus. Right. Yeah. Peter <laughs> walking on the water. as simple as that. As soon as exactly. his faith wa- wavered, he fell. Yeah. He went down. Unwavering faith. And it, again, I'll say it again. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. And daily, it's hard. It could be easy one day, and the next day, it's back to difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that goes back to the, another reason why you need to take up your cross daily, mm-hmm. and why you have to, you know. You got to go sit at his feet every morning, every day, all through the day. Yeah, because it's hard every day. Mm-hmm. So bring your son here to me. 
Jesus says. Even while the boy is coming, the demon slams him down and threw him into a violent convulsion. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. Everybody was amazed and overwhelmed at the evidence of the greatness of God and his majesty and his wondrous work. But while they were still awed by everything Jesus was doing, he said this to his disciples. Let these words, here he is again, telling them. After this big miracle, he's like, okay, boys, I'm performing all these miracles, but what I'm really here to do, let these words sink into your ears. The Son (laughs) of Man is going to be betrayed and handed over to men who are his enemies. However, they did not understand this statement and its meaning was kept hidden from them so that they would not grasp it and they were afraid to ask him about it. Why were they afraid to ask him about it? Say, what do you mean? I mean, I just don't know how much more plain and simple Jesus can say, I've come here to die and be raised again. You know, be ra- you know. That's kind of unheard of. Um, but you see the same kind of confusion and reluctance on the disciples' parts, like when Jesus was talking about the yeast of the Pharisees, mm-hmm. right? And you, you, I don't remember where, but they're basically going back, like, oh, did he, is he saying that we didn't bring enough bread? Like, is that what he's mad about? Like, yeah. <laughs> like they won't even ask him. Like, they're trying to figure it out. And, and then he'll, what are you guys talking about bread about? <laughs> like, yeah, nothing to do with what I'm saying. <laughs> so I, I think they're kind of meant to be confused. And, it, and, you know, it even kind of alludes to that. It's hidden from them. You know, and maybe it just wasn't ready. They weren't ready yet to understand exactly what was going to take place. I got it. So then Luke, in writing this, he he kind of jumps. That That's kind of where that ends. And then he goes in to this. Obviously, this may not have been the same day or this. Because why would he say this? And then all of a sudden an argument started among them as to which one of them was the greatest. Mm-hmm. And this is the disciples that are arguing amongst each other, like, who's who's better? Who's the better disciple? Um, and so Jesus was no, knowing what they were thinking. He um, So this may have been with everybody. Why they would just go into arguing about that, who the heck knows? But uh, he... He, t- he takes a child and hands it, has this child standing next to him, and he tells him, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. So he indirectly, indirectly tells the disciples, none of you is the greatest, and he points to himself, using the child as, as an analogy. And why child, children, we're... Uh, called children you know god's our father and uh but we also have we can relate to this story as well anybody with children can relate to this story because uh what is a child like child is happy to see you. a child relies on you we were talking about this earlier mm-hmm. child relies on you to provide yep. I, I think this was a big lesson in humility for them because mm-hmm. think of like hi- hierarchy back then too the kids were like like dogs, you know, like, hey, go get me my wine. Go get me a water. You yeah, know, like they, yeah, they were very they had low. no status. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the, the disciples are here fighting about who's the greatest, you know, who's the highest up the chain? Who's going to sit on the right hand of you, Lord? Like, is it going to be me? Yeah. And he's basically saying, you guys are all garbage. <laughs> you know, you need to bring yourself well, down. And follow my example. This right. is what Jesus is saying. Not I'm you. washing your feet here. I didn't yeah. ask you to wash mine. Like, I'm here to serve you. And yep. The, the creator of the universe. Right. And the the man who owns everything is here to serve. Follow, 
Jesus is saying, follow my example. Yep. Servants. Well, I think lower it's, than servants, you know. Right. And I think it's a, a good warning for all of us as Christians, you know, like the more you get fed the word and you you, you feel like you understand more and you're wiser, you know, than maybe other Christians. It's like you, you kind of get this higher view of yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, try to compare yourself to others and it's like, you need to humble yourself very, very low. I think all of us need to humble ourselves. For sure. Like as much as we think we understand all this and we know all this stuff, mm-hmm. we're idiots, dude. Like yeah. we're morons. <laughs> so it's like, we have to remember that and say, I'm not above my brother. Like, yes, I might grasp some of this a little bit better, mm-hmm. but that's not be. That doesn't make me better than them. I need to help them understand, you know, and be a helper. Yeah. But I'm not better than them. Yeah, exactly. And he goes into that saying, for the one who is least among all of you, that is the one who is genuinely humble, the one uh, with a realistic self-view, realistic self-view, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is the one who is truly great. Yeah. And yeah. then... I, I wrote down too. Um, go ahead. The, the passions of the flesh are like a weed with a deep root. They're always ready to rise up even after the most spiritually elevating moments, like coming down from the mountain. Right. Um, that's why Jesus urges his disciples to stay humble like little children so this won't occur. Yeah. I guess I kind of already said that. But. <laughs> that's all right. You know, it's not a big deal. I'm trying to make sure I capture all my big points here. So then they... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all right. Yeah. What else you got there? On that? That's it on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so John replies that he, he starts telling Jesus that they saw somebody driving out Jesus or demons in Jesus' name. Mm. And he's like, we tried to stop him because he did not follow along with us. So they, always, they immediately thought that just because they're not following um, in their friend circle, that this guy doing the Lord's work is, is not worthy of doing that. And then he's like, hey, he still don't stop him. So whoever is not against you is for you. It's like yeah. you, you may get some things. There may be people that are wrong, but if they're still, if they're serving the kingdom in the way, they're a friend. <laughs> well, and I I'm guilty of this during the same conversation talking about Catholics. I think mm-hmm. you know, like we see other denominations and we like to point fault at others and say, well, this is why we're right and this is how they're wrong. Yes, that's a it perfect us, analogy, right? So it's like, we need to, those are still, my, my grandparents love Jesus yeah. with all their heart. I know they're saved. Mm-hmm. Even despite, you know, whatever denomination you subscribe to, you can't see their heart. You can't judge their heart. Right. And if they're honestly pursuing Jesus and trying to be like Jesus and trying to be a good Christian, I don't care if you're a Baptist, a Protestant, a Catholic, whatever else, yeah. you still got your focus on Jesus. And that's good. Jesus is, the, the, the point of the matter is, Jesus is what matters. Right. Believing and having faith and trust in him, his life, his death, his resurrection, he's up there, he's mediating for us at the right hand of God, and that's what matters. Right. If we can if we can we can associate with people, even though we may get things we all get things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's lots of different paths to the top of the mountain, right? Yeah. It's like I think different people have different paths that they prefer. Some people like to climb cliffs, like go up the rock face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people, nope, I'm going to take the kind of switchback route, you know, slow and steady. Right. Some people want to go through the woods. You know, it's like we all have our, God built us differently with our own gifts and our mm-hmm. own, uh, I don't know, our, our own aptitudes for different 
approaches. And I think that that's okay. Like, that's why we are so diverse. Yeah. And we need to not condemn others' walks with Christ because we don't know what's in their heart. We don't know what they're going through. That being said, we also run the risk, if we're condemning those, of making somebody stumble. And we don't want to cause a brother to stumble. Right. Or, or sister, I mean, of course, you know, but when I say brother, I'm encompassing just like with all the wording, you know, man and right. being everybody. Um, we just don't want to cause a brother to stumble. No, and, and that's that's Christ's bride you're talking about. That's his church. Yeah. You know, like you want to launch rocks at Christ's church? No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we could get into a whole other debate about uh, pulling the plank out of your own eye. With, right. you know, a plank in your own eye is a speck in your brother's eye. You we should be cheering for those churches. If they're thriving and they're bringing people to Christ, I don't care what they are. You know, like, if, yeah, it's great. We should be happy for them and encourage them and support mm-hmm. them. Yep. I agree. Uh, let's see. Where were we? Do not stop them for. Okay. So now when the time was approaching for him to be taken up to heaven. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. So now, <laughs> so now Luke's kind of, in his account here, is moving on. Mm-hmm. You know, They were approaching, uh, he was determined to go to Jerusalem to fulfill his purpose. We're getting closer. We're getting closer to the time. They're, they're making their way to Jerusalem at this point. He sends messengers um, on ahead of him, and they went to a Samaritan village to make arrangements for him. Uh, I don't really have much to add on that. Uh, the Samaritans didn't welcome him because they were traveling towards Jerusalem. Um, and then we get into 54. Now this is, <laughs> you see a little big headedness, I guess, coming, you know, from James and John, the sons of thunder. <laughs> <laughs> they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and destroy them? <laughs> and as he should have, because this is, yeah, your head's getting a little big here, boys. Right. <laughs> he turns and rebukes them. Uh, he said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Right. And they journeyed. Let's just move on. Well, right, basically. That's ba- And that's what we just kind of said. You know, like, Jesus is for everyone. Like, he wants us all to come to him. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be sitting here throwing rocks at each other because where they are in their walk or how they're approaching the throne, like that's between Jesus and them, you know? Like, exactly. Yeah. They, they've, it's not for us to judge. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's up to him. If they want to reject him, let's move on. They tried. He sent messengers on ahead. whether, you know, that was the disciples. Obviously it was Jane. We can assume that it was James and John that went there to try and make, uh, plans for Jesus to come into town, find lodging, whatever, obviously. And uh, he's like, don't repay evil with evil. You right. Know. <laughs> well, this goes back to just the turn the other cheek Jesus, you know, the pacifist exactly. Jesus of, what do you mean? I'm not here to fight and cause war and death. Like That's the opposite of what I'm here to do. Yeah. And so as we're, this is, I thought, this is a really good cha- chapter in Luke to talk about how you should live your life as a Christian, and um, I, I it's a it's a really good chapter for like new believers, mm-hmm. I think, because even towards the end of the chapter, and we're going to start uh, reading about um, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, obviously there's people walking with him, following him, and he's like, I will follow you wherever you go, and so we we alluded to this earlier, and. Uh, 
Jesus is going to remind him that, hey, you know, you got to be able to, you got to be willing to give up everything. Mm-hmm. Your worldly desires, your foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Right. And he's setting them up there, you know, and um, another verse he tells them to, or tells people that want to follow him to, to consider the cost. You know, like, yeah. don't start building a watchtower and realize halfway through that you can't afford to finish it Mm -hmm. everyone's going to laugh at you you know like he's setting the very clear expectation of what being a follower of jesus is going to look like yeah like don't expect to have a mansion bro i don't have a like sleep outside every day he's he's sticking to that servant persona that that servant uh idea of what being a christian is like yeah zero material i have no materialism i don't own anything I have no money. I have nothing. And like we said earlier, it's not talking about that you can't have these things. It's what God gives you to to be comfortable. Don't put your faith in those things, in those worldly things. Go not, yeah, don't seek first things and then the kingdom of God will follow. It's (laughs) the opposite. Yeah, it's the complete opposite. Yeah, so he said to another, follow me. Accepting, uh, accepting me as master and teacher. But he said, Lord, first allow me to go and bury my father. And he said to them, allow the spiritually dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and spread the news about the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, followers of Jesus must be forward looking and not longing for the things of the past life, such as children of Israel uh, who longed for the food of Egypt or Lot's wife who longed for her home and family members left behind in Sodom. Like yeah, we, were talking about. we were talking about that. And he goes in. To saying that, we'll round out, we can finish this up, hold that thought for just a second, because he does say, um, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. So, do you, you want to finish out? Oh, I mean, it's all in the same stuff. Um, I wrote, uh, Jesus was detached from nearly all earthly cares so that he could exclusively focus on his divine mission to redeem men. He'd been burdened with having to care for a wife, children, a home, and other typical things humans have to deal with to sustain their lives. It's unlikely he could have been able to fulfill his own mission. If we want to follow Jesus bigger and more, it isn't necessarily better, for it demands time and effort to maintain, which takes one away from the following Jesus unreservedly and without the strings of physical life to hold us down. So it's kind of like what we've been talking about the whole time, you know, exactly like that liberation to say, like, we can wake up in the morning and say, what are we doing today, Lord? I have no plans. Yeah. Well, and what I think what he was going into, no one looks to the we kind of did. Uh, you covered that very nicely as far as uh, that last little section about allow this dead to bury their own whatever. Anyway, and then when he goes into no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind. You become a believer. You've put your old man to death, which you got to do every day. Don't look back. Mm-hmm. Uh, when okay, so when they were when you would plow by hand like that, you they a a plowman would generally have to keep his eyes focused on a point, a tree, a post, or something, and and stay focused. Jesus is our post. Jesus is our tree. Stay focused on Jesus. Don't look back. Or as, you know, that plowman, if he looked back, his lines would be all wavy. And the whole field would would be wavy and you Mm -hmm. wouldn't have straight lines. A plowman wanted to have straight lines for planting. 
So focus on Jesus and don't look back at that old life you left behind because it has nothing to give you. Right. You're you're focused on what your new life is in Jesus. And it's we see with um um Ananias and and Acts see Sophias, thank you. Sophias, yeah. <laughs> okay. But like they you know, everyone was selling everything and dumping they're going all in, right? Mm-hmm. In the new church. They're putting every penny into that pot. Yeah. Where they had they had doubts that maybe this wasn't gonna work out. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should hold a little hold bit a little of this. Back. Just yeah. in case, you know, I change my mind or I want to go back. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what he's talking about here. You're to go all in. You know, like if you're gonna really make this your life, yeah, it's an all in kind of a situation. It's not well, you know, yeah. I'm going to... You can't be lukewarm in this. Right. I'm going to keep $20,000 in my bank, so in case this missionary thing doesn't work out, we got a nice little nest egg to come back to. Exactly. It's like, there's no faith there. Right. You're, you're basically already planning to fail. You're putting your faith in whatever you're holding. You're putting your faith in uh, that money. Right. You're putting your faith in that those past sins that you're, that you're sad to leave behind. Just like um, Lot's wife was putting her faith in... She was already missing the city and turned around. That's why right. she was turned into a pillar of salt. Right. It's And that's the hardest thing, I think. You know, And these people didn't have the Holy Spirit to help them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it should be easier for us. But yeah. I think here in America, it's it's harder. You know, we're a very rich nation, whether we think so or not. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've been to other countries and you see what they live with or without, I should say. Yeah. I mean, man, it's they live by faith daily, you know. Yeah, and, exactly. Because they don't know where... They they don't know where their their house is gonna be there tomorrow or their food where their food is coming from. Dude, can you imagine putting your kids to bed without a meal? You know, like no. watching your kids go to bed hungry. You know, like that would break me apart. Yeah. You know, like everything inside me would be like, you can't let this happen anymore. You need to go out and get a job. You need to make sure you feed them. Yeah. Not God. Can you make sure that we get food tomorrow, please? And sometimes they're the happiest. Right. You see, you see these people in America that think we're, you know, that can't get what they wanted, and and they're just depressed. Well, look at billionaires still put a bullet in their head, you know. Exactly. They, <laughs> obviously, money didn't make them happy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for doing this with me. No, well, that was fun. Yeah, I, I love it. To, I love talking about the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, I suppose that is chapter nine. Cool. I can't believe we made it through it. I know it. So, all right. Well, then I think we ought to get out of here because it is, oh my goodness, it is late, isn't it? It's not late, late, but I mean, I haven't eaten dinner yet. Oh, well, geez, <laughs> you got some corned beef in there to get I down know. to. <laughs> yes. Well, happy St. Patty's Day, everyone. Yes, yes, guys. Thanks for listening. This was a good conversation. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Go, uh, Give us a good rating, review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now. Rating, review, that really helps us out. Uh, Give us a good rating on Spotify. Check us out on YouTube. Give us a good rating, review. Hit that notification bell. And uh, let's see here. You guys have any questions, any concerns, prayer requests, whatever. If you guys just want to talk, you can email us. uh, Follow us on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, email us mail at undauntedpursuit.com and uh, let's see here oh if you guys feel like sending us any coffee tea beard oil P.O. Box 92 Grangeville Idaho 83530 
anything. We'll we'll hit you up on the podcast here. We'll give you a shout out, um, especially if you guys leave us a good review. That that is important to leave us a good review on Apple gets us up there in the rankings. Share this episode with somebody this week and just show that love of Jesus. We appreciate you guys listening and uh, check out Anthony Morris's new single came out. Meet me at the steeple. It is an awesome song. I know I've promoted it on uh, our Facebook and our Instagram. It was on the last episode, so check it out. Go download it, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Oh, see you guys. Thanks for letting me step in. <laughs> Have a good day. God bless you. Clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze. If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. Jerk the pews and roll the decorations too Until the congregations feel and have revival Tell your friends that this is where the party ends Until you're broken for your sins You can't be social And seek the Lord and wait for what He has in store Know that great is your reward, so just be hopeful, cause you can sing all you want to, yes you can, sing all you want to, you can sing all you want to, still get it wrong, worship is more than song. God to whisper Beg him please to open up his mouth and speak Pray for real upon your knees until they blister Shine the light on every corner of your life Till the pride and lust and lies are in the open And read the word and put to test the things you Heart and soul are sturdy, rocked and broken. Cause you can sing all you want to. Yes, you can sing all you want to. You can sing all you want to and still get it wrong. Worship is more than a song.
with all my heart is an idol Anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol Anything that I give all my love is an idol Cause I can sing all I want to Yes I can sing all I want to We can sing all we want to We can sing all we want to we can sing all we want to and still get it wrong. Worship is more than a song. Clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze. That's the measure you must take to crush the idols 